0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Wildlife Journeys. I'm your co-host, Emma.
1: And I'm your co-host, Dan. And today we have a very special guest, Allie Dickey, who is a social media specialist. Ali, do you want to tell us a little bit about your educational background?
2: Sure. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. So I got two degrees from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln in fisheries and wildlife and journalism.
1: Oh, very nice. I didn't realize that you had a journalism degree as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That one was like part way through school when I did my shift to communications. But
1: uh, okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. So how did you how did you first get interested in wildlife?
2: Yeah. So even though I'm kind of in a different spot now than a lot of like the wildlife researchers you've talked to, I started pretty much in the same spot where I was love to be outside. I love to be exploring, looking for critters. I always tell people the anecdote that like, I should have known this is where I'd end up is I think for my nine-year-old birthday party, I just invited all my friends to my grandma's house because she had a creek in her backyard and we just spent the whole day just playing in the creek (laughs) and that was the best birthday party ever. But I really didn't know what I wanted to do, or I didn't know I wanted to work with wildlife, because I loved so many things. I loved being outside wildlife, but I also loved to read. Um, I loved math. I loved sports and movies and TV. So I had no idea what um, to decide on until when I was in high school. I took a uh, zoology field biology And bioscience research class. And that's when I was finally like, okay, this is what I want to do. And that's when I went to Nebraska to pursue fisheries and wildlife.
1: That's an awesome class for high school.
2: Yeah, it was really cool. I got to um, conduct my own animal behavior research project and uh, compete in a bunch of competitions. So something that I thought was fun, but also I was like winning awards at. I was like, oh, well, okay this is what I got to do. If I'm winning stuff, this is what I want to do forever. That's awesome. Kind of changed, (laughs) but you know, when you're 18, you're like, well, this is, this is it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So where did, where did you grow up creaking?
2: So I grew up in Ohio, Columbus, Ohio, until about middle school, I moved to Kansas city. So most of my creaking was in Ohio, but definitely lots of herping, And also creaking, I guess, in Kansas City as well.
0: (laughs) Ohio's got some great creeks. Oh, yeah. And Kansas City has some great herps. I have only been there once. But, yeah, the Midwest in the Great Plains region, if you're interested in wildlife, I feel like this area that, well, this big flat area of the U.S. gets a lot of hate, but got some really fascinating wildlife diversity definitely as someone who got
2: my degrees in Nebraska like we focused a lot on the prairie and the Great Plains so it's kind of that underappreciated I still really love it and respect it even though I don't live there anymore yeah I'm happy that that was my foundation
0: underrated ecosystems Mm -hmm. and then how did you get interested in communication and journalism along with your interest in wildlife?
2: Yeah. So I really liked the program, the fisheries and wildlife program at Nebraska shout out to SNR and them. But one of the things that they did, which I really enjoyed is early on, they brought in people who had graduated from that program and to talk about their careers. And I kind of started to freak out because I quickly realized none of the things that people were talking about was something that sounded fun to me or what I wanted to do. And we did a lot more field work. And I always love field work. I still like like to do it kind of as a fun hobby. You know, like I said, I grew up creaking and herping, but thinking about doing it full time, I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. So I was starting to get confused in college. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then I took an environmental communications class. And kind of had my aha moment. We were just writing grants and like press releases and designing posters. And I just realized that, you know, those nature documentaries you grew up watching, the nature magazines, like even illustrations in your textbook is all done by some science communicator. And I realized that's what I wanted to do. And that was the path. So I added the journalism major And I started telling everybody that I wanted to do something like write for National Geographic. And then, you know, what's so funny, and if you're in this position, it's not true if you feel like this, but I felt at the time that I was already behind because I had added this major late. And I felt like that quote from the office when Michael Scott says, I've had this dream since lunchtime and I'm not giving up on it yet. Like, So I felt behind, but The thing about it is that kind of gave me this chip on my shoulder that I was super determined to do everything science communication and almost brand myself the science communication girl. So every journalism class I had, I would be like, can I write about animals? Can I write about research? I know about this research going on. And then in every wildlife class, I was like, can I add a communications portion? Can I design a poster? So I think by really doing that in school I started getting a lot of opportunities and I started building my portfolio a lot which I think helped me after graduation.
1: That's so cool that you figured that out like when you're still in undergrad because I think a lot of people that do wildlife just assume they have to go into research and then once they get into research a lot of us learn that we don't know how to communicate what we're researching. So I think that's fantastic. Thanks. So what was your your first kind of career opportunity? Did you find that when you were still finishing up undergrad or was it after? And how did you kind of get your foot in the door for uh, science communication?
2: Yeah, so I I did... A lot of work and experience when I was in undergrad. So because I was almost being so loud and proud about the science communication while I was in school, uh, I I started getting these opportunities because people knew of me. So I started working for our fisheries and wildlife school of natural resources communications department, and that was a really great foot in the door because I got to still go on like our research abroad programs and do the research but i was also getting paid to like take pictures and write features about it i started getting asked to like edit thesis papers and grade them and write about you know different profiles about the research being done so that really helped because the huge thing in communications is you have to build a portfolio to get any further And then in the summers, I'd always do some kind of science communication internship. So I did a research abroad or an internship abroad in South Africa doing environmental journalism and writing mostly about shark conservation, which I totally fell in love with sharks and marine science, which comes up later. And then finally, my last internship before graduating was I got The editorial internship with National Geographic kids. So I got to go to DC and write for their magazine, which is the only way I can describe that as surreal because a few years earlier, I had been using that as like the example of what I wanted to do. But I always said something like that because I never thought I'd actually get to do that. So that was a really amazing experience, especially leaving undergrad when, you know, leaving college is scary. So that was a good confidence boost.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. Can you tell us more about your research abroad and, yeah, working with researchers in South Africa and what you did there?
2: Yeah, so it was an internship abroad with a company that was also doing uh, research abroads with um, sharks. So there was a lot of interns getting to do shark research and then we were just writing any kind of conservation or environmental story in the area and then pitching to magazines on behalf of the company so it was really first and foremost just like a writing boot camp because we were turning out like five stories a week but it was incredible for me because that was my first time getting to write about big charismatic megafauna big conservation issues Cause I had been, you know, in school, just a student. So I was just writing about like students' research projects. And this was like, my first big one was a great white shark had washed ashore a beach or on a beach. And there was no obvious signs of why it had died. And when they did the necropsy, they couldn't find any signs, except for that it had, had high levels of stress. And they also found some hooks in its stomach. So they thought that it had gotten really stressed from a fishing event and that it actually killed it. So and fishing great white sharks is illegal there. So it was a really cool story to get to write and something I definitely wouldn't have gotten to write, you know, in Nebraska. So that was a great moment to, again, gain some really good stories from my portfolio, but also just to reaffirm that that's what I wanted to do. Because I had been saying, oh, I want to write these really cool stories. But I hadn't gotten to do it yet. And I actually really liked it.
1: How how did you find that opportunity? Because like you said, like when you say, oh, I, I'm living in Lincoln, Nebraska, but I'm writing about sharks, people had to be confused. So,
2: Oh, yeah, totally. Well, so that one was because that was when I was in South Africa. And the lead researcher on the case was like the the one in charge of the shark research interns so we kind of had that connection already but something i would say for sure if you're interested in communications or writing and you're not close to the giant stories happening or you're still a student is i would just reach out to the people that you know that you idolize or the people who have that position you want because that's i think how i got the national geographic internship I mean, a lot of other things, but one of the things was I had reached out to some of the editors at National Geographic that I just thought did amazing work. And I thought like, that's what I would want to be. And I just asked them for career advice over an email and they talked to me a bit. And then I said, oh, I'm applying to this internship. And, you know, there was a lot of other steps I think that went into it, but I really think reaching out, seeing what opportunities you can get. Asking if you are in the research program, so you know about cool research that's going on, that helps as well, because then you kind of have that in um, if you have the communication background as well. So, yeah, I was very lucky to get some really cool stories from South Africa and then kind of use that writing and that experience to launch me into stories in Nebraska as well. So stuff I I worked a lot with the Omaha Zoo because they were doing a lot of international research And so I write stories about their research, just knowing, you know, the labs back in Nebraska. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of ways you can still write pretty cool stuff.
1: That's amazing. And I think you've shown that no matter where you are, you can find these opportunities and do these things all over the world.
2: Totally. Yeah, you have to, again, like I said, I had this dumb chip on my shoulder that if you're in school and you already feel like you're like too late to some for something, that's not true. But it did help me that I, I was very much like, oh, I got to push really hard to get here or else I'm not going to make it. So it is kind of a good mindset to have, but just know it's not always real.
1: <laughs> and you've provided a perfect segue for our next question. So maybe you hacked our chat, but, <laughs> but were there in- influential people that kind of uh, you modeled what you wanted to do after or who kind of mentored you and helped you figure out what you want to do and how you want to do it.
2: Yeah, definitely. I had I've had pretty much all my bosses have been pretty incredible for my various positions. So I mean, my first one, which I kind of talked about, was um working for the School of Natural Resources and Communications. Shauna uh, Richter Ryerson was the communications associate, I believe, at the Nebraska School of Natural Resources. And she reached out to me to come be her assistant. And one thing you should know about communicators is that we're stressed. We have a lot of things we're supposed to be doing. We're kind of supposed to know how to do a little bit of everything. So She, I was just a part-time, you know, undergrad student employee. She really could have just let me do all the like, you know, boring work, but she made the whole internship about, um, or the whole assistantship about how I can build my portfolio and get me a better job after graduation, which is a really incredible thing to have early in your career. So she definitely helped me. And then later bosses that I haven't, Spoken about the jobs yet, but um, my last job was with Texas Sea Grant. And my boss, Sarah, was really incredible at just trusting my vision and my communication skills. Because again, when you're early career in most jobs, you can kind of get the boring, you know, administrative work. And she just really trusted me to use creativity and build my own campaigns. And, you know, back to sharks, we have, we do a little bit of uh, campaigns for Shark Week. And in the past, they had just done like maybe three small things. And I was like, can I make this huge? Can I do an entire Shark Week campaign? And she was like, sure. So she definitely was huge for me as well in building those skills. And I think having early career bosses like that really helps. And it also just shows me how I want to be when I, you know, get higher up because I want to make sure to trust people who are still starting out to kind of create their own ideas and go big.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And then do you want to talk a little bit about what you did with uh, National Geographic and how you got there?
2: Yeah. So, so I spent a summer in DC with National Geographic. Um, I was the editorial intern, intern for the kids department So I was writing for the kids magazine. I wrote like their amazing animals features or their 30 cool things features. And then I was also working on the books department. So, you know, they published the like weird, but true and the Guinness world records books. So I was editing manuscripts for those while I was there. And that was, I mean, incredible experience. Um, Their group is so cool. While I was there, they were also hosting the Explorers Festival, which um, they have this big funding where they'll fund explorers to do some project and they could be research or education or communications. And then all those people come back for that week and present on it, kind of like a TED Talk. So I got to sit through all those, which was really cool. But to get there, I mean, it was definitely tricky. I was the only intern for all of the National Geographic, that was from the Midwest. Everyone was from like East Coast schools or California schools. So I definitely had to work hard to get notice for that. I think afterwards how, what I usually would recommend to people was one I had, I had my own website at that point with my portfolio, a lot of my writings and pictures and uh, designs. And then I had reached out to some editors and kind of gotten my name in there. And then the other thing that they really valued was a lot of abroad experiences. So at that point, I had gone to South Africa and i had also done a research abroad to Puerto Rico. And that was the one that I was doing research, but I was also taking photos on behalf of the school. So I got photos for my website too. But yeah, that was a really, really great experience.
1: That's so cool. Was So was that your first big job in kind of this field or?
2: Yeah, so that was an in, still an internship, but definitely my first big major one. And then leaving school, I, you know, I still struggled for sure to get jobs in the science communication career, especially the wildlife side. So they're very competitive and there's not that many so, you know, even even though I'm talking about these cool internships, I still had to work really hard to get full time jobs in the career. So it's it's a tricky one for sure.
1: So that was during your well, you were still in school, right?
2: Yeah, that was my summer before my senior year. OK. And then so later I worked a few different things. So I moved to Fort Wayne a bit. Fort Wayne, Indiana, where I met Dan, but I, but I wasn't really finding opportunities there, especially because like I said, after my South Africa, Africa time, I really wanted to go Marine in the ocean and you know, there's not that in Indiana. (laughs) So I moved down to an island in the Florida Keys and I worked there teaching Marine science and then also Um, running snorkel expeditions. And while I was there, I only got two good months of like teaching marine science to groups before the pandemic hit. So then we were kind of just, I kind of lived my castaways life. (laughs) We were just stuck on the island. Nobody was coming. So I started writing some blog articles for the island on various, you know, there's really cool nature down in the Florida Keys. So I was writing about that kind of stuff. But I also ended up pitching to my old National Geographic editors and started freelancing for them. And I still do that today, a couple a year. So, you know, it was very hard to be on the island and not get to teach marine science. But it led me to that great opportunity to get to write for National Geographic kids again. And then after that experience, I moved back to Fort Wayne and worked for the Parks and Rec Department for a bit, um, doing more education. I worked for a zoo for a bit. I was that fun person that comes in during assemblies and brings the animals and teaches about that. And then eventually I moved to Texas to work for Texas Sea Grant And I was a communications specialist for them. So I did kind of a little bit of everything. And Texas Sea Grant funds marine science research, but also does a lot of marine science and coastal extension along um, the Texas coast. So that was kind of getting back into that marine science realm and getting back to a holistic communications role. So writing, social media, design, sometimes outreach events, a little bit of everything.
1: So before we get too into Texas, shout out to uh, Fort Wayne. It's it's known as the L.A. of the Midwest. Oh, yeah. But yeah, so what... and I
2: had some good herping times there.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. What what brought you to Fort Wayne?
2: So my partner was getting his master's degree in the same lab as Dan. So that's why I was there for a bit, but then went to the island for a bit and then came back
1: that's a a good opportunity if you don't mind talking about we've we've talked a little previously about in this field the kind of two body syndrome where like you're both wanting to have your own career and you're both doing similar work but you have to kind of move around and I I always like to say that wildlife and conservation is kind of like being in a rock band because you never know where you're going next and you're sleeping on friends couches and you're driving down to Florida to work for a couple months in a pandemic and then Mm -hmm. you know driving back to Fort Wayne and you're ending up in these weird cities and stuff so if you don't mind talking a little about that and how you you know make that work because I think a lot of people don't necessarily think about that me included when I when I came to Australia I had no idea how difficult it was going to be having, you know, obviously my partner was in Fort Wayne. So.
2: Yeah. It's so tricky and it's like, definitely deceptively so because you're in the same realm. So you feel like it should be simple, but yeah, we we definitely kind of had to realize early on that it was either one person gets to do their cool career and the other kind of settles or you have to be okay with doing some long distance. And, and since we knew that kind of early on, we've just done a lot of long distance and we've also had to talk a lot about like what places would kind of satisfy both of those careers because we're not totally like both doing wildlife research. Um, We're still kind of different in that I'm more in the communication sphere and he's doing research so it's definitely a tricky thing to do, but we both were so passionate about our what our careers are and then wanting to achieve them and achieve big things that we kind of both decided to sacrifice the maybe being exactly where we want to be all the time.
0: Yeah, it's tough. Luckily, my partner and I both have jobs here in Oregon, but it it was kind of the A situation where it's like, well, we'll both move here and then try to find something that works for both of us, and it takes time and a lot Mm -hmm. of applications, and yeah, it's 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 tough, but yeah, I think it takes. I mean, I don't know in this field, like I think it's really important to have friends, family, loved ones, significant other there to support you in person, or you know, at least often, and so that's I think that's just one of the uh things you have to accept and navigate in this field with a significant other. I think one of the other ways
2: we've kind of tried to make it work was times when one of us did have to, you know, move to where the others had got a great career opportunity and then try to like catch up is I think most opportunities you have and experiences you can spin into a good thing later when you're looking at other career opportunities you can find some of the benefits some of something you've gained from it to help you move forward so even though you know those Fort Wayne opportunities were maybe not the like oh huge marine science communication that I dreamed of I still got a lot of great experience from them that helped me launch into the Texas Sea Grant role and then later into my current role with Woodwell Climate.
0: Yeah yeah yeah, and Purdue is just so like, I mean, opportunities in Fort Wayne, like Purdue. Um, I know you weren't at Purdue, but like, I just feel like areas surrounding these like really like well-respected universities. And like you said, you you, you said you worked for the parks there for a bit. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah so I mean, for the riverfront section, uh, doing yeah. like environmental education with them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So no matter where you are, I think there's always like going to be some really good opportunity, even in the middle of like the Midwest. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. And do you want to talk a little bit more about your role with Texas Secret? Sure. So I was a communications
2: specialist. So we worked on a team of three and I already shouted out Sarah, but I also want to shout out Coralianne, who is the other communication specialist focused on the fisheries side. I was focused on the coastal resilience side. So we, I think we were kind of a powerhouse, us three. We really got to build up the communications program. We wrote, you know, monthly press releases and articles on the various research and extension activities we were doing. We ran the social media and we did a lot of campaigns And we designed all our own content and did a lot of strategy there. And we did some outreach events as well. And we do a lot of photography because again, we had agents and research going on all over the Texas coast, which is pretty long and pretty big. (laughs) So we got to do a lot of cool travel and pictures for that as well.
1: What was was your favorite part working with, Texas Sea Grant. And I know, I know Texas was a really awesome opportunity and a special place for you. So is there anything else that you want to talk about from when you were there?
2: Yeah. So Texas was, it was really great because I just got to travel so much and in, in Texas so quickly, I was only there for two years, but I got to mo- you know most of the big cities and most of the coast. And really appreciated a lot of the the great nature Texas has, fabulous ecosystems, but also just still a lot of, you know, good work going on there. I think sometimes it gets bad rap, but there's a lot of great conservation going on, lots of cool animals to talk about. And Texas Sea Grant exel- itself, It was it was a cool thing to be a part of because it's such a huge program. So it's funded by NOAA and there's 32 programs across the country in every coastal state. And then also you have your extension program, which is, you know, related to counties within the state. So not only were we getting to work with researchers across the state counties, but we were also getting to work with communication specialists across the whole country. And that was really cool to do because You know, you figure out that everybody's kind of dealing with the same problems, even though they might be slightly different. And so it was interesting to see how the different states were working with them. And then within that, how the different science communicators were working with that. So that was cool to be a part of something that big.
1: And you were great at it. I loved reading the posts on Instagram. I would always... I'd always comment and uh, send messages to the Texas Sea Grant.
2: Oh, thanks. I always liked when you did that. Yeah. Uh, I, I also really enjoyed that position because I definitely got to dive way more into social media. And like I said, my boss was so open to me being creative and getting crazy and doing and trying out a bunch of stuff and seeing what works. And we really built up our... Our social media a lot throughout that time. So it's kind of exciting to see how we could work with it. Because I'm so passionate about science communication. And I think social media is, and I mean, it can be a beast, but it is also a really cool section of science communication because it is like the smallest and the quickest. You know, science communication is all about taking a huge, complex topic and making it simple and engaging. And social media is the simplest, smallest, and it's the hardest to get people's attention. So it's kind of a fun challenge uh, to work with it.
1: Yeah. So then, how did you how did you end up in Georgia and as a social media specialist? So was that something that kind of evolved out of the Sea Grant position, or
2: no? So I'm now a social media specialist for Woodwell <laughs> Climate Research Center. So we are a climate science nonprofit based out of Falmouth, Massachusetts, so up in Cape Cod. So this is kind of another strategy for how to be able to work or work and live near your partner is that now I work fully remote. So it helps a lot when his positions um, and various opportunities send him around, I can move with him. So that's how I'm in Georgia. But yeah, I went from doing, you know, full communications to now I'm specifically focused on our social media. I do campaign planning and strategy and do a content creation. So Woodwell Climate, we have a lot of climate scientists on staff. So we do climate science research. And then the unique, unique cool part about them is then they turn that research into impact. So we help You know, policymakers use that research to see change, communicators, educators. So it's a really, really cool group to be a part of. We have huge projects, huge research all over the globe, and then we're really seeing a lot of impact from them. And so I'm I'm just very excited to be a part of it. I just started in the summer, so it's still fairly new, but I've already gotten to be in charge of a lot of our social media campaigns, and I'm getting to travel a lot with them uh, to go to the various conferences we attend. so it's
0: a really exciting role that i'm I'm pumped to be a part of, yeah, congratulations on that Thanks. really cool. So I know you said it's like you know this is very new for you, but maybe you know we all ask this question, so it might be hard again since this is new for you, but Right now, where do you find the most fulfillment in your role at Woodwell?
2: Oh, that's a great question. So, a lot of what my role is now is using creativity, getting thinking outside the box, thinking about, you know, trends, and then it's a lot of strategy. So, what I get a lot of satisfaction from is when we have this incredible research or this incredible grant we just got. My role is really now how do I get this out in the public and make it exciting and make it engaging? So it's really exciting when I think up some way or strategy that goes well, <laughs> that's successful. You, you know, social media is a slippery thing. You can think you figured it out and then it goes horribly. So it's exciting, it keeps you on your toes. So that's that's probably where I get the most satisfaction.
1: And climate change too is, is such a huge issue and it makes me think of the the adage it takes a village. And I think you're doing one of probably the hardest part where yeah, the research can be really challenging and difficult, but the hardest part I feel like is getting people to understand it and then care and then act on it, especially with climate change. So that's a huge, a huge thing to do, especially on social media. I can't imagine having to interact with that many people
2: yeah it, it's definitely a challenge for sure because you have very loud critics on social media um it can be a hot button issue but on one hand it makes you so much more passionate about it because you know how big of a deal it is and you know how much your job could really help with things but something you know again social media can be a beast but something I do appreciate about it is you know, inclusive science communication is so important. Communication is one of the ways that we can get to a wider audience than we may not be able to. And social media, especially, can reach so many people that maybe you know, like a newsletter, you're not, you're not getting as many, as broad of a sign up audience as you could with something just going viral. So, I, I think I also enjoy that part of it, and and enjoy that that's you know something I can do with social media
0: yeah it is uh I mean again we've mentioned this on the podcast so many times like how important science communication is and like you said social media is a beast and it is it has its evils and it's it's also just such a powerful tool for us to communicate with each other and learn but I just think that's really (laughs) and important what you're doing yeah Um, it definitely it can lead
2: it can be you know there can be bad stuff on there but you can also you have an opportunity for really cool stuff really good stuff to happen it's just the strategy of how you get to that yeah. yeah you talking about science communication also made me think that like a lot of our researchers are amazing at it like we have one researcher jennifer francis I have to, as a science communicator, I have to give a shout out to researchers and scientists who really put in the effort for that science communication, because it's so powerful when it's coming straight from the person who, you know, did the research, but it's also important to have your science communicators got to add in that. (laughs) as well.
0: Yeah, totally. And I think I already kind of see this just on like Instagram and like TikTok even as I I see a lot of Gen Z really participating and being active in, you know, consuming and spreading knowledge about, you know, climate change, wildlife science, conservation, sustainability. Like I've, I'm seeing that and it could just be because that's my algorithm showing me what I want to see. But I, I really do believe that, you know, this connection we have with each other and now all these, you know, Having science there to access, you know, being accessible to people when it wasn't like, you know, just 15, 20 years ago, you know, we have this in our hands now. And I I really do think it's having a positive impact on younger generations. And again, there's a lot of like, kind of doomsday stuff out there that contributes to climate anxiety, especially for younger generations, too. But I also think like I have hope that just based on what I'm seeing that like real change is going to come out of the next generations and I think a large part of that is due to what they're seeing online and how they're kind of working together via those platforms but yeah me just rambling on about this but it's it's something that's fascinating and interesting to me and then I also wanted to kind of just ask you a little bit about how you're liking Georgia I mean I know your work is remote, but as someone who's interested in wildlife and the outdoors. And I mean, I personally love the ecology of the Southeast United States and I love Georgia. It's such a beautiful state, but yeah. How is it there so far?
2: I'm loving it so far. We've only been here a few months, but we've already explored a lot of it. We've gotten to the beach so far because you guys know me. I like the marine beach side of things. But next on the docket is to go into the mountains and start looking for the salamanders. Dan knows Nick's big salamander guy. But I will add, that's another cool thing about me, you know, really turning away from the research side of things and going into communication. But the fact that I still have someone I live with who's doing all the research side of things, it's kind of fun that uh, sometimes I get to be, you know, unofficial field tech or go along with um, what the researchers are doing. And I still get a little bit of that, you know, what I dreamed of when I was 18. And even though it's changed, it's still fun to get to do it on the side, for sure. So yes, lots to explore in Georgia still, lots of birds and uh, herps to go find.
1: Yeah. Expanding on the the unofficial field tech, do you want to talk about when you were unofficial field tech in in northern Michigan?
2: Yeah, sure. So, so my partner got his master's degree with Dan and his project was on a fungal disease of the Eastern Massasauga up in Northern Michigan. So specifically Grayling. And so there was a couple times when um, he didn't have a field tech to go with him. So I would volunteer for free to go, you know, be his sous chef to his chef. And hike deep into the forest to take soil samples and groundwater samples, and it was so fun. It definitely assured me again that you know field work full time wasn't for me. But it's so fun when it's someone else's project and you just get to help and, and do a little bit on the side, and then get to go home and do something else. But I had a lot of fun with that.
1: I was say kudos <laughs> to you both because uh, that was a lot of hard work. Um, It was hard. I stepped in when when Nick told me that Allie had had enough and she needed (laughs) a little bit of a break. Um, So I got to go up when it was snowing in winter, but.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. As you can tell by my current living state in Georgia, I'm not a fan of the cold or the winter. So as soon as we got into those late October months and we were still getting groundwater samples and it was snowing, I was like, No. Dan, Dan
0: will help you. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> yeah, field work is brutal. And I also am not a fan of the cold. Yeah. Yeah, field work is fun for me for like a little bit, but I also don't think that I want a career where I'm constantly out the field. It's just too much.
2: <laughs> exactly. Mentally yeah, and like, physically. I think that's a huge thing I would recommend to anyone who's, you know, pursuing the research career is make sure to try it all out early on and make sure, you know, cause, cause I'm so glad I did that. I was like, I was still so passionate about wildlife and conservation, but I was realizing all the aspects of research were not for me. And then also realizing that there's so many other jobs within that, that are needed that I'm not trying to say, don't do wildlife research because it's for a lot of people, but it just, it wasn't for me. And I'm glad I found that out early.
1: Yeah, I'm really glad you said that because, again, when I was in undergrad, the only thing I thought I could do was research. I was like, that's that's the next. It's either, I was like, it's research or a state agency. So like, yeah, it's important to know that there are other ways that you can still engage in this in a really meaningful way that can reach a lot of people and, and create a lot of change.
2: Yeah, definitely. And that's why this podcast is so great. Because you can hear a lot of the different jobs that people are doing. Because um, it is, it's hard when you are like, when you're coming right out of high school, it's really hard to do the research on like, what does this look like 10 years from now? Like, what am I actually going to be doing? Because all you can think of is, you know, the major and then maybe like a tech position. And you, it's hard to see way down the line. So it's a good thing to research and use your resources, to figure out what you want to do.
1: And now that you're, you've moved down the line, so you've walked through the forest and now you can see the forest through the trees. Uh, what, what was your favorite kind of memory or story from all the crazy things you've done so far or or highlights if you can't do just one?
2: Wow. Yeah. That's a tricky question. Well, I'll always look fondly on my time in the Florida Keys even though it was a really weird time <laughs> because I was stuck on an island in the pandemic, you cannot beat having, you know, that gorgeous ocean right there with sea turtles were coming up every night, sharks were constantly swimming around, manatees. There's something else about it, like those charismatic big species that are just so cool. Um, so that was an am- amazing experience I've gotten. But I don't know. I've had, I've had a lot of great experiences in every position I've had. And every time that I get to report on or or make some kind of campaign off of the cool, cool research that's happening, it just, I like, it's just, it's exciting to contribute to that research realm and be a part of it. So lots of great memories.
1: <laughs> and you got to uh, practice for Survivor a little bit. So
2: Oh, yeah. I got to use machete to open a coconut.
1: I never knew that
2: I wanted to do that, but it was so fun.
0: (laughs) That's so cool. Mm -hmm. I'm dying to go to Florida Keys. That's kind of, like, where my partner Matt and I uh, keep talking about the next place that we want to, like, explore that's not within driving distance (laughs) within the U.S. is, like, you know, obviously there's places out west that we can drive to that we want to explore, but, like, the next place we want to like fly to and go on vacation to um, is the Florida Keys in the U.S. because it just looks so beautiful and incredible. God, so many cool species, so many cool herbs oh, and yeah. birds. So
2: many cool species, such a cool natural history. Like if you look into all the backstory on it. And then also the Everglades are like right there. Just, is just, it's unfair that they can have the Keys and the Everglades, just all that cool ecosystem right there. But if you go, you should go to Pigeon Key. That's where I lived and worked and you can, the bridge is open now, so you can walk out, see some really cool species from the bridge and then have your own little snorkel island.
0: Cool. Okay. Noted. I will definitely go there. <laughs> and then kind of back to where you are now, you know, you just started this new position Do you know or kind of have a vision for what your next steps are within this role and what you'd like to do within your position? It's tricky
2: because, you know, I've tried out so many different things under the communications umbrella because I've done the more long form writing. I did more of the education and outreach, and now I'm kind of getting shorter and shorter writing and more design and visual stuff. Um, And I think I want to stay in that realm because it's the most exciting for me. I definitely, I still love social media, even though it's a beast. I I still love it. So I want to stay within that. So I don't know where we go from here. I just want to keep working with things that I feel like really matter. So I really like the larger nonprofits because I feel like they're doing a lot of really, really cool work. And so as long as I'm, you know, with a large scientific institute and I'm getting to design and be creative, then I think I'll be happy.
1: <laughs> Amazing. What uh, what advice do you have for the next generation of people that are coming up and want to write for National Geographic? Oh,
2: wow. Yeah. I mean, let me think. I would say definitely explore your options. You know, like I said, if I were to tell narrative or I tell narratives for a living. So if I were to tell the narrative, stopping at the National Geographic um, internship would make the most sense because that was like, you know, built up to that. But I still tried out so many other jobs after that um, and tried out so many different types of communications. So definitely try out see what you like, um, see what you're interested in. But if you're still very early career, I would say a huge thing is build that portfolio if you want to go into communications. So reach out to people, reach out to researchers. If you're reading a research article and you think it would make a really cool feature, reach out to them. I'm sure they'd be down to do an interview and you can write about that. I think just don't be afraid to put yourself out there. I think you have to learn pretty early on in the communications field that you have to put yourself out there if you're interviewing or um, taking photos so awkward at first, but you you get used to it working with editors they can be very intense and you know get red pen all over it, so you just have to get a hard skin put yourself out there and um I'd say try out a lot of different things and see what you like.
0: Great advice. And then, so to kind of wrap up, well, first of all, what is, (laughs) this is also a hard question. Do you have a favorite animal? I love sharks.
2: I don't think I can choose among sharks. I mean, my first Really cool shark experience was with a great white shark. I know that's kind of basic, but I still love them because I got to write about them and then I got to cage dive with them. And seeing them up close, you just realize how small and insignificant you are because you're like, that thing could take me easily. That's pretty cool. So I'd say great white sharks, but I also, when I lived in the Keys, had a lot of great experiences with nurse sharks, just like on the opposite end of the shark spectrum. (laughs) Because they're pretty, I don't want to say harmless. They're still predators, but they're just always sleeping on the bottom. So, yeah, I don't know what I I would choose, but definitely in the shark family.
0: Well, thank you so much, Allie. Sharks are, yeah, definitely one of the coolest. I don't think I could choose either. And obviously, great whites are just, I want to see one person so bad. Not like just swimming casually, like I'd, you know, like to cage dive or something like that. But it's, uh, you know, something else we talked about on the podcast is animals that are feared or not really loved or thought of in a positive light by the general, like, public. I have a soft spot for, like, we all do, like, you know, Dan's background on Zoom is a rattlesnake. We've both <laughs> worked with rattlesnakes, like, I don't know, great whites are just fascinating animal they're so cool and so misunderstood um so great choice
2: thank you yes I definitely yeah. find myself drawn to those And I think part of it is once you learn about them you just you just appreciate them more because you you understand they can be dangerous for sure I mean apex predator right there but you also know that they're not like out to get you <laughs> you appreciate them
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's great to have someone who is such a passionate and effective communicator advocating for them. So thank you for doing what you do. And thank you again for coming on.
2: Well, thank you guys so much. I think this podcast is such a great idea, especially with everything I was saying. I think it's a great idea to learn everything within wildlife. And thank you guys for being such great science communicators, as well as researchers, because that's so important to know how to talk about your science.
1: We're we're doing what we can and we're we're learning from those around us, you included. So. oh thanks. And for our, our listeners, if you're a survivor fan, you know, keep watching because one day Ellie's gonna be on there. Um and she's gonna win it all. So
2: I'm just gonna be opening coconuts with the machetes the entire time. That's all I'll do. <laughs>